Thanks for checking out the Anchor Faith Message Podcast from St. Augustine, Florida. Now enjoy this message. Galatians chapter 2. It's going to be a minute before I get there. Because the Lord, when I woke up this morning, he, he added some things to this message. So that means I'm going to have to eliminate some other things out of the other message. I didn't know what your song set was going to be, Marcus. I, I didn't know. Pastor didn't know. I didn't tell him what I was going to minister on. But the song that we sang, I am who I am. Because the I am tells me who I am. I'd like to change that. I am who I am because the I am already told me who I am. Now, I'm not saying he doesn't stop telling you, but he already told you. And a lot of people are, are still waiting on God to tell them something. He already told you. He told you through his word, and he continues to talk to you, but you're too busy on your device to hear him. You're too busy with your entertainment to hear him. Now, none of you would do that. It's just the people watching. Am I helping anybody yet? So before you post that, because they're, they're going to, before you put that up, I want you to listen to this, because they're going to they're gonna cheat. That is really a nice, a nice graphic. But as I told the parents, we're staying in a hotel this week where they're having a mini Comic-Con, 100%. Last night when we went back to the hotel, um, I dropped Darlene off the door and I had to park out because the parking lot was just packed. And uh, I get in and a, and a Gandalf walked by me. And, 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 and then right behind him was Satan. And then right behind him were, you know, the three bears. I mean, it was, it was, it's an identity crisis convention. These are grown people. They're in costume and their hair and the whole thing and their makeup and all that. And I'm talking about grown men. Well, we got on the elevator today. We're the only ones dressed up on Sunday. You know, and I wanted to say, we identify with Christ. But I was nice. I didn't say it. But what I want to talk to you about is today is our identification with Christ. Say that with me. Our identification with Christ. Say with Christ. with Christ. Not just in Christ, with Christ. That's why I like the fact that y'all changed that chorus. Instead of God is working for us, God's working with us. Because that's scriptural. He's working with us. You know, too much of the body of Christ is in, into things like, well, I know God's able. Is that really the question? God's ability, is that really in question? My Bible says he's more than able. He's more than enough. So his ability is never in question. Or if God's willing, that's never the question. It is his will. So regarding our identification with Christ, this is what the Lord gave me this morning. I put it in my phone. Our identity-mindedness versus image-mindedness. You see, the world today is consumed with image. What do I look like? And I, I'm not even talking about the world. It's crept into the church. I see pastors all the time. And I mean, they post a selfie every day. Really? I'm not talking about family photos. I'm not talking about grandkids. I'm not talking about 
you know, stuff to do with ministry. I'm talking about a picture of themselves every day. And there's some of them with their shirts off. And their wife is not. I mean, if you're on the beach, that's a different thing. But how much you're on the beach? Especially where in my area, you've got to go a long way to find a beach. But yet their clothes are hanging off. And there's a church in our town that they've, I was telling pastors that they, uh, Very image conscious. Derek's family used to attend that church. Very image conscious. And, and uh, they, their men's ministry was BYOB, and that, it doesn't mean Bible. Bring your own bottle to the men's ministry. How's that going to work? Well, that pastor's now gone. Why? Because the church got so carnal. I'm talking about breast augmentations and all kinds of things because everybody's image and therefore there was multiple adulteries even in the staff, multiple adulteries and why does that happen? How does that happen to a church? A so-called spirit-filled church. How does that happen? Because you're image conscious instead of identity conscious. You're so concerned about how you look. And, and please take a bath. Please take a shower. Please put on some smell good. Please do that. Brush your toothpaste. That's what my son said as a little boy, so I still say that. That's 40 years ago. I still remember that. So please be clean and modest, and, but come on. Be more concerned about your identity of who you are in Christ and who he's made you to be than who you want man to perceive you as being. That's your image. And we're going to get to the right kind of image in Scripture today. But Ephesians 6.12 says this. You can put it up. For we, and this is the Amplified. We are not wrestling with flesh and blood. Contending only with physical opponents. Wrestling, that means contending, fighting. We're in a fight. We're in a warfare. I said to the families yesterday, we're in spiritual combat. But a lot of church, the church didn't get the memo. And so they're just real casual in their Christianity. I love Jesus. I love him so much. I love Jesus. Yes, I do. I love Jesus. How about you? And they're kind of cheerleaders for Jesus instead of in the army of Christ. You know, I, I don't know if you realize it, but your pastors are stinking spiritually militant. And I'm, I don't mean that in a negative connotation whatsoever. So we wrestle not against flesh and blood. So we're in a fight. This is New Testament, right? This is out of the book of Ephesians, which I shared with the people uh, yesterday. But the, the book of Ephesians is, a, it is an authority book, every single chapter. And if you want to learn of who you are in Christ, first of all, read Romans. And then get over in Ephesians as fast as you can. Find out your positional authority and how you're supposed to be dressing because you can't fight very well when you're naked. So contending only with physical. So we're not contending only with physical opponents. But against despotism. Against the powers, against, they are powers, against the master spirits. Woo. We're not just fighting little sissy demons. Now, some Christians, all it takes is a sissy demon to get them off track. We're, we're fighting against master spirits. 
who are the world rulers in this present darkness, of this present darkness. Now, they're operating on earth, but primarily they're in the high places, the heavenly places, not in heaven. They got evicted umpteen million years ago or however long it was. We don't really know. We don't have a calendar for when the devil got kicked out of heaven. There's no date that, that depicts that. That's the only rebellion that there's ever been in the third heaven. But the other rebellion is still going on in the heavenlies. That's why John... The only first Baptist. John said, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Not the third heaven. Not a capital H. Not where God resides. He's talking about the heavenlies. Repent, change the way you think. The word repent in the New Testament is not a holy term. It was a commonly used term in the Greek that depicts changing the way you think. In other words, have a paradigm shift in the way you think about things. And he's appealing to the religious people of the day. These are all Jews he's preaching to. Not even Gentiles. They're all Jews. You're going to have to change the way you're thinking. You're no longer going to be able to serve God like you used to. There's a new sheriff come to town. He's greater than I. I'm not even able to tie his shoelaces. I'm not even able to carry his sandals. I don't even come close to him. What did Jesus say about John, the only first Baptist? He says the greatest man who ever lived. Coming from Jesus, that's, that's I mean, Jesus knows all things. And he said that about John, the only first Baptist. When I played at Friday Night Light School, it was Odessa, Texas, West Texas, and there was even an 11th Baptist church. There's so many splits. I mean, do you proudly go to the 11th Baptist church? I mean, come on. So, John said, repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And we know that Jesus showed up in the next chapter. That's Matthew 3, Matthew 4. Jesus showed up desiring to be baptized by John in the River Jordan. He was not only water baptized, he was spirit baptized in that river. Where the Holy Spirit descended upon him like a dove and gave him the spirit without measure. What was his first message? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He plagiarized John the Baptist. <laughs> and people talk about us. Well, that's just Kenneth Hagin's message. You're just copying Kenneth Hagin. Jesus copied John the Baptist, so shut up. No, don't teach your children to say shut up. Teach them not to say shut up. But it was the same message Jesus had that John the Baptist had. Same Holy Ghost. Same plan of God. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In other words, what is he saying? The kingdom of the heavenlies is now open. It's an open heaven. It's now open, and you're going to have to learn to operate in the heavenlies. You're going to have to learn to take your authority to a new degree and to a new level. It's going to, it's going to have to be against these principalities and powers. In other words, your rituals are no longer going to be able to worship God like we did in the old covenant. The new covenant is different. Now, let's put that back, back up, guys, if you would. So we, we, we fight we war, we wrestle against the rulers 
In this present darkness, be a good title of a book. Okay, some of you don't know that. All right. Against the spirit forces. Say spirit forces. What are they forces of? Wickedness. In the heavenly or the supernatural sphere. They're everywhere. They're at Walmart. They used to be at Ponce de Leon Mall, but they, they, got, they got evicted. So, this is what the Spirit of God said to me this morning. He gave me that scripture, but he said, the gravitational forces of this fallen world are continually warring against mankind to recruit us to join their ranks. Their purpose? To join the spiritually rebellious entities against Christ and his kingdom. Ultimately, to take you to hell. But they have zero authority. Say zero authority. To do so without your consent and cooperation either through outright rebellion or, this is the danger thing here for any church, or willful, willful ignorance of the church, in the church. There are people in this room watching, listening, that are willfully ignorant of the truth, willfully ignorant of who they are in Christ. How do you know that? I've heard them talk. You don't have the right language. You don't have the language of faith. You don't have the language of authority. You have the language of a victim. It's a common language today. Everybody's against me. Life is so unfair. What scripture says life is fair? Where is that found? Their efforts are totally futile. Talking about the spirits. They're their efforts are totally futile against believers who know their position in Christ's kingdom and are growing in their positional authority in him. I want to repeat it again. Their efforts, these spirits, these forces, these powers, these despotisms, these master spirits, these world rulers in the present darkness, their, their efforts are futile against the believers who know their position in Christ's kingdom and who are growing, say growing, not resting, not plateauing, who are growing. And the only way to grow is to change your mind, to repent. You know, you develop, we as humanoids, we develop bad habits very quickly. Only takes seven days to build a bad habit into your routine. Seven days, that's all. Takes 21 days to break it. And that's aggressively 21 days breaking it. So we, we easily pick up all kinds of goofy things because, let me be Pastor Frank for a moment. Because we have too many voices that we lend our ears to. Even supposed Christian voices. Uh-huh. The great man is from the south is now in heaven. He did a masterful work at getting people born again and baptized and set free and is a master teacher. And he's a closet charismatic. Yeah. Reason I know that is because I have a friend who's spoken to a staff, a, a great man of prayer and honor and integrity. But he's in heaven now, but they have a series that's going on right now on his television show where they, they're just replaying those things. And it's talking about how God uses adversity to position you. 
Well, I was interested in it. What's he going to say here? And he used Paul's thorn in the flesh, and he was saying that God gave that thorn in the flesh to the apostle Paul to grow him, to change him. Here's the problem with that. The Bible says, turn to your neighbor and say, the Bible says, that the thorn in the flesh was a messenger from Satan. So God and the devil are working in cahoots to, to position you? I think not. But yet, he's a good Baptist, and therefore, a good Baptist has to interject that stuff. That's in their doctrines. It's scary. Have you found Galatians 2 yet? I've been waiting on you. Galatians is right after 2 Corinthians. Most of us can quote this out of the King Jimmy. It says, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now, which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. But let's look at the screen. Amplified's a bit different. I have been. Say, I have been. Now, it says in the King James, I am. But actually, it's a mistranslation. Because the original Greek says, I was, past tense, was, have been, right? So I have been crucified with Christ. In him, I have shared his crucifixion. How did I share his crucifixion? I wasn't there. I, I wasn't there physically. You know, I, I watched Passion of the Christ. I've seen all these other movies about the crucifixion, but I wasn't there. I just watched it. I wasn't there. How did I share? Whose sin was it? It was your sin. It was my sin. Jesus never sinned. It says in 2 Corinthians 5, 21, that him, he who knew no sin became sin, was made to be sin, that through him we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He never knew sin. He never sinned, but he suffered as if he did. He never sinned. Even when he ran the money changers out of the temple and turned over the tables, he even made his own whip. It was a premeditated whipping. <laughs> and he didn't repent one time. God, I know I'm thinking these wrong thoughts about this whip. I'm weaving it, making it. Oh, ooh, I need some teeth and I need some bone and I need some metal. That's what the whips were made out of back then. I don't need the right kind of, oh, but God, I, oh, just please forgive me for making that. But I really need some other. He made it himself. He took the time to find the components and weave it. And he still didn't sin doing that. Why? Well, didn't he love all those money changers? You mean those people that were lying and cheating and deceitful and ripping off all of the people that were coming in for the sacrifice and they didn't have their own spotless lamb and so they were providing them a spotless lamb supposedly for an exorbitantly outrageous price. They were taking advantage of these people and Jesus was protecting them. This is supposed to be a house of prayer and you've made it a den of thieves, you bunch of losers. Well, that's not very nice. It's militant, wasn't it? I said it was militant. You know who he loved more? The people that are being ripped off. The disadvantaged. Hello? The people being cheated and lied to. That's who he loved more. But even more so, you know who he loved the most? He loved the word and he loved God. And he wasn't going to allow the house of God to be soiled. Hello? It's time for the church to stand up like Jesus. It's time for the church to stop being mamsy-pamsy. I'm not talking about making a whip. Don't make one. Order it on Amazon. I'm kidding. No, don't make a whip. We're not, we're, not, we're, not, we're not wrestling against flesh and blood. But Jesus didn't know this scripture was going to come later? No, he did. He's the one who orchestrated this. He's the word. 
But we can't be operating just from a fleshly motivation. Jesus wasn't operating from a fleshly motivation at the temple. He was operating by, from a spiritual motivation. It's just like, you know, I don't go to many football games and sit in the stands. If I can't stand on the sidelines or the side and get down there where the action is, I probably won't go because I played there. I played at these stadiums and these high-level places as a high school and a college athlete. I played in every pro stadium in Texas and every major college stadium in Texas and even in the Southwest and all over the country. Played in many, many stadiums. So I didn't play up in the bleachers. I was down on the field. So even now, I, I probably won't buy a ticket because I want to be where the action is. I, I want to be able to smell that sweat. I want to be able to high five and chest bump those guys coming off the field when they make a great play. But you know what, I, what I, I've had to be reeled in on? When I see a dirty play and the officials refuse to throw a flag, I'm talking about tackling somebody out of bounds, punching them under the pile, that kind of stuff, kicking them, gouging them in the eyeballs. I've seen it on the sidelines, and the officials don't see it. That's where I kind of come unglued. Why? Because I'm created in the image of Christ, and he doesn't like unfair life. That's my motivation now. And so I said some things, not ugly, not mean. I said, sir, did you not see? Did you not see that? Did you not see? He just gouged him in the eyes. I mean, his eyes are bleeding. Did you not see that? And don't look at me in that tone of voice. <laughs> Angie knows this. Our son played basketball at Ramah. And during those three years, Pastor Hagen always had me sit beside him. I couldn't get the seat right next to him because I get elbowed. But there's a seat down. I saw him take off his glasses, try to hand them to the officials. <laughs> Here, you need this more than I do. So don't look at me in that tone of voice. He's from Texas too. Why? Because we don't like unfairness. We don't like cheating. We don't like the, the underdog getting ripped off and cheated. We don't, we don't like the disadvantage being taken advantage of. Come on. And that riled up Jesus. So, here we are. We shared in this crucifixion. Because it was our sin. It said, it's no longer I who live, but Christ the Messiah lives in me. So some of that, some of that whipping is in us. Some of that fight is in us. And it needs to be. We've been too passive. The church has been silent. We're called the silent witness or the silent majority. Silent witness. Those words don't even go together. That's like saying jumbo shrimp. Excuse me, that doesn't go together. And the life that I now live, say I now live. The life that I now live in the body or in the flesh. I live differently. In other words, I live by faith. Say by faith. Here's our problem. This is our problem. Most of us have some type of device like this. This is not really just a phone and a camera. This is a computer that has a phone and a camera. It's really a computer. There's more technology in this than what they sent man in the moon with in 1969. I'll never forget that night. We'd see it on TV. We'd run outside, look up there at that moon. My brother and I. 
Wow, they're up there. I think I see them. <laughs> Something shiny up there. We run inside. Man, they just jumped off the ladder. They're running around kicking that dust. Wow, they just set up the American flag. You think we can see it? We got some binoculars. We, we, of course, we can't see it. But man, was it. Anybody remember that night? Yeah. Wow, it was so cool. Well, that was just done on a soundstage in Los Angeles. No, it wasn't. All these conspiracy theories. Come on, get a life. 9-11 was an inside job. It really didn't happen. Come on. I was there three weeks afterward. I had a friend that lost 11 buddies at the Pentagon. Went to all their funerals. Don't tell me it was an inside job. Well, that wasn't a plane that hit the Pentagon. Come on. The internet has something stupid in it every moment. Don't buy the, don't buy the lies. Come on. Hello. If it's in the media, most of it's not true. I know that's a shock to some people. So, but this is what we do with these, with these devices. We have, all of us have this. If you've got a tablet, whatever, you've got all these apps on there, right? i got page after page after page of apps. Applications, right? Do you have to have those applications for your phone to work? No. But those apps have to have an OS or an operating system to work. This is what we've done in the church. And many preachers are at fault for this. We've made faith an app just to meet our needs instead of living by it. Instead of walking by faith. We're, we just, well, I'm sick, so I better. We've tried everything else. Let's just try faith. You don't try faith, darling. This is what it says. You stick with it. You adhere to it. You don't try it. You stick to it. You never leave it. You rely on it. And you have complete trust in faith. This is not an, op this is not an application. It's an operating system. And we're all commanded. The just shall live by faith. Not might live. Not, well, why don't you try it for a while? See if it's for you. A lot of your fleshly, flaky, funky religious friends, I just say spiritual, religious friends say, well, I've tried that faith and I'm just so glad it worked for you, but it just didn't work for me. Well, God's a liar then, isn't he? And they're smarter than God. Mm-hmm. We've got to live by faith. It's necessary. You cannot ever gain your true identity and who you are in Christ and what he's already made you to be and what already he has identified to you and told you you are if you don't walk by faith. If you don't live by faith. Faith is not optional for a believer. You mean it's come to that that believers should actually believe That's a pretty scary thought. You see, those wicked forces that we read about, Ephesians 6, those wicked forces are working overtime today at trying to re-identify and reconstitute what's in the Word. They're trying to change what's there. You got these preachers who say, well, the Bible is obsolete today. It's not modern. It's old school. It's not old school. It's eternal. There's only one school, darling. And that's his way. The way. And it's critical that we join forces with what he has already done. 
Get the mentality out of your brain. Well, I know what Sunday God's going to do something for me. He's already done it. Jesus is not going to cross again. He's not going to be at the whipping post again. He's not going to the pit of hell and, and the pit of the earth again. He's risen. And that same resurrection power lives on the inside of us as believers. So what are we doing as the church? We're playing church. Not this church. Some of you are new. And you're just coming into this. And you've already recognized, wow, these people are wild. <laughs> they actually sing the songs instead of just watching the concert. You may ask the question, what does identification with Christ actually mean? It's a good question. Simply stated, it's complete union with him. It's not, it's not this. It's not just hanging around him. Complete union with him. In him. Over 175 verses in the epistles, which when I got born again, I thought those were the apostles' wives. <laughs> but I was young and ignorant. I didn't know who, I didn't know anything spiritually. I, I wasn't raised in church. I didn't know what the epistles were. And I, I, I played like I knew what they were. When people say, well, turn to the epistle of it, and I'm going, I'll just look around and see what everybody else is doing because I don't know what that means. Epistle of what? It means letters. So if you hadn't been in church, you don't know these terminologies. So identification with Christ simply means complete union with him. It's our identification who and who he's made us to be. Turn over to Romans. Oh, if you get into Romans, it's hard to get out. You need to read Romans on a regular basis. Romans is a treasure trove. It's filled with revelation of who we used to be and what he's made us into now. Our redemption is all through Romans. It's not just something to beat somebody up to get them saved and tell them how, for all the fallen short of the glory of God, there is none righteous, no, not one. That's not the end of those chapters. Keep reading. Yes, we, we were unrighteous at one time. Yes, we, 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 we all fell short of the glory of God. But no more as a believer. I'll prove it to you in a minute. Romans chapter 6, verse 6, says, knowing this. Say what? Knowing. Not knowing about it. You need to know this. There's the problem. Most of the body of Christ doesn't know the word. They don't know who they are because if you don't know the word, you don't know who you are. And that goes for every teenager in this room. You need to know who you are. If you can read, you need to read your Bible and you need to make your bedroom a Bible school and then instead of an entertainment complex. Parents, you need to pull the plug. Hmm. So, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him. Say, with him. See, it's with him. That the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Look at this in the Amplified. It says, we know. Again, we're not guessing. Here's the problem with most of the church world. Well, I hope so. I hope I'm going to heaven. I hope I'm safe. It's just like I was at uh, Dr. Mark Barkley's church uh, back in the spring at 175 men in a men's conference, but he held me over and did Sunday. And as is the case with a lot of these hotels, the weekends are full of either partiers or teams. This, this was full of baseball teams, girls softball teams, and boy, it was noisy. And 
But I noticed that I was getting ready the next morning on Saturday morning because we had Saturday morning sessions. Notice getting ready outside the hall, even though the, it was a room full of girls next door. How do I know? Because it was giggling until 2 a.m. Just giggling and sissy. And, 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 and boys knocking on the door to check them out, you know. But the next morning, I heard the coach out in the hallway, which I had not seen. And so there's a baseball player out there with him, and I didn't see him either. But there's full of baseball teams at the junior college school, and they were having a tournament. And so there's lots of teams staying in this hotel. And so I hear the coach, are you ready to take the ball today? Meaning he's going to be the pitcher. And the player says, I, I hope so. That's the last thing a coach wants to hear. <laughs> You're going to have the ball in your hand every single play when we're in the field, and you hope so? Take your jock off and go back and get your diaper on. That's what my coaches would have said. Or worse, I can't, I can't repeat it. Now, now listen to me. When I heard that, the Lord spoke to me. The Lord speaks to me in all kinds of funny places. The Lord spoke to me and said, that's most of the church. I hope so. I hope I'm going to heaven. I hope everything's going to turn out right. I hope I can get my healing. I hope, I hope my ship's coming in. We're so wussified. And I know Anchor Faith Church is taught better than that. But there's probably still some in here. And you get a great big W on your chest. And that doesn't mean Wonder Woman. And I don't mean that ugly. I mean that to shock you into reality of what you've got to do. We're supposed to have a warrior mentality. Be a good name for a mascot. We're supposed to have a militant mentality. We are, we are the soldiers of Jesus Christ. Supposed to be the good soldiers of Jesus Christ. You know what bad soldiers look like. My, our oldest two grandsons are soldiers. One of them's in harm way today in Asia. I can't tell you where he is because I'd have to shoot you. No, I'm kidding. I know generally where he is, but I'm going to find out exactly where he is later because he can't even tell his own, his, his own mom. He can't tell him where he is. And we know where he was and where he, where he flew into, uh, into Japan and Okinawa and those kinds of things, but, but that's real general. But he's a Marine, so he's on a ship. And they have to stay in the belly of that ship. Sometimes they don't even know where they're going until they dump them out on a beach somewhere because they're Marines. And they're, they've seen bloodshed. It's not in the news. But ne neither are the Marines in Syria in the news. But we got, we got a, a battalion of Marines in Syria right now. We, we got Marines in Ukraine. And nobody's telling us that. Why? Because the media is complicit with the lies. But you've been around bad soldiers, and this is what he's telling me. Along with Dr. Barkley, who's a former Marine as well, combat vet and um, ran combat missions in Vietnam. Have any former Marines here? Hooyah. Hoorah. Army. Look at all the Army. Navy. Thank you. Air Force. No Air Force. Well, how'd, how'd the rest of y'all get around? You needed transportation. Our oldest grandson's Air Force. And so he's been in harm's way. But one of the most devastating things, when he was home for Christmas, he lost two buddies to suicide back at this base in California. He's had scores of suicides in his own platoon. Or, excuse me, his own battalion. Scores. And Dr. Barkley told me he has a relationship with Oliver North. It's very difficult to find worthy soldiers today because they're so soft because their parents have never told them no. 
Well, you get in the military, you're going to hear a lot of no's and a whole lot of adjectives that go on the no. Front of the no, behind the no, over the top of the no. Now I've got to hurry, but what I want you to see is, look at this scripture again. We need to know this. That our old unrenewed self was nailed to the cross with him. This is all about being with him. It was our sin on the cross with him. And in order that our body, our flesh, which is the instrument of sin, might be made ineffective. Jesus did that to make sin ineffective in your life. So stop calling yourself a sinner. You're no longer a sinner if you're a believer. You're a believer. You're the righteous. You're no longer a sinner. Sin is dead to you. If you're calling yourself a sinner, you've never read the book of Romans. Never read Romans 5, Romans 6. He goes on and says that the sin might be made ineffective and inactive for evil. That we might no longer be the slaves of sin. Everybody thinks America created slavery. You don't know history. Slavery started in the Garden of Eden. And those weren't white people. Those were not Europeans. They were Middle Eastern. Hello? Come on. You don't know your history. It's one of my minors in college, and I, I still read a lot of history. Why? Because it always repeats itself. And slavery is horrible in every facet. It's straight from hell. It is of the devil, and he revealed it in the Garden of Eden. And he's been doing it ever since. Now the greatest slaveries are taking place in China and then secondly Africa. And it's not by white people in Africa. It's by black people. Africa, not, not, not African American, Africans. In the Congo. Rwanda. Rwanda and all, uh, Burundi. All these places. It's evil what's taking place. It's of the devil. What is it? It's people that have yielded their field to the devil and he grew a crop in it. So sin is the greatest amount of slavery in the universe. And it puts you into bondage. Isn't that what slavery is about? It's about bondage. So sin puts you into bondage. But we've been delivered. Look at Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, and I'll wind down. Romans chapter 8, verse 29. Am I helping anybody yet? Yes. You know, have you, uh, while you're turning there, you know, how, how many know about Alexa and, and SIRI, you know, and you've been kind of concerned about what you say in front of them because then you start getting all these pop-ups and ads of your discussions, right? Well, they, they've come up with a new one called Charlie. It's male-dominated because you can say anything you want to in front of Charlie because men don't listen to anything. So uh, every wife should have said amen on that one. Okay, have you, have you found Romans 8? Look at verse 29. We'll just read it out of the Amplified. It says, for those whom he foreknew... Pastor Earl got in this this morning in the baby dedication. I didn't know what he was going to share. He didn't know what I was going to share. So whom he foreknew, of whom he was aware and loved beforehand. In other words, God was made aware of you long before not only you were you, before there was even parents that recreated you, procreated you, and even before there was even a planet or even a Milky Way or a solar system, God knew you beforehand and he also destined from the beginning again the beginning is not on a calendar our finite minds can't understand what beginning is right, right. We, we couldn't comprehend it our minds was 
Talk about shut down. They blow up. So he destined from the beginning for ordaining them or giving them a purpose. Don't get into the predestination extreme doctrine because it's not, it's not true. In other words, you have moral, free moral agency. You can choose whatever you want to do. But we're supposed to be discovering what he's foreordained for us. Because, oh, how did he know me before where there's a planet? Because you were first spiritually made. You are a spirit being. You're created in his image. He doesn't have a physical body. Just because we do, we identify everything with that. But he made you as a spirit being, and he saw you in the spirit realm, and he invested everything necessary into your spirit realm. Come on. So you could access it by faith. It doesn't come by osmosis. It doesn't come from just coming to church. It doesn't come from giving tithe and paying tithe. It doesn't come from just being kind. I just, I, oh, I just think because I'm kind, I should know what I need to know from God, and, and I can go to heaven because I'm really nice. Sorry. Nice people are in hell today. Moral people are in hell today. That's not the prerequisite. So he goes on and says, he foreordained them, to be molded into the image of his son and share inwardly in his likeness. We're supposed to look like and be like Jesus, not Mike. Not grandma. Not grandpapa. Not Papa John. Not Nana. We're supposed to be molded in the image of Christ and share inwardly spiritually in his likeness. Molded, formed. That means we got some changing to do. Because here's the problem. Too many Christians are trying to mold Christ into their form. doing whatever we want to do, and asking God to bless it. That's not submitting to Christ. That's requiring him to submit to me. Won't work. So he says, mold into the image of his son and share inwardly in his likeness that he might become the firstborn among many brethren. And he did. He was the first one born again. And it goes on and says, and those whom he thus foreordained, that's us, he also called, and those who he called, he also what? He justified, next screen, he justified, what does that mean? Justified, never sinned. But it's even much deeper than that. It means acquitted. That means absolved. All charges erased. Like they never existed. That's why you're no longer a sinner. He acquitted you. All charges are dropped like they were never there. So it doesn't matter what the devil tries to lay on you. The Bible says he's ever, he's always accusing you to God. And Jesus is at the right hand of the throne of God, ever making intercession. He is your advocate. He is your attorney. And he's not some cheesy billboard ambulance chaser attorney. He's the real deal. He's your defense attorney. And he's saying, Father, that's a lie. They are in me. They are victorious. They are more than conquerors. They are not victims, they're victors. That's who he made you to be. That's your identity. So stop acting like a loser. Stop acting like a victim. And it's not just a matter of changing your vocabulary and your vernacular. It's a matter of changing your heart and renewing your mind to what the word says you are. The very things you sing around here, the very things you're, you're, you're taught and preached to, it says, so what shall we, well, let's finish the rest of it. So not only were we justified, those who justified, he glorified. 
So that kind of eradicates Romans chapter 3. This is still book of Romans, right? Romans chapter 3, for all the sin falling short of the glory of God. That's who we used to be. Now we've been glorified. I said now we've been glorified. So much so, so much so that as you walk in the light, you're walking around in the light and darkness acknowledges you. Uh-huh. Three Sunday nights ago in San Diego, California, we had a, the pastor wanted to have a Sunday night healing service. So we had Sunday morning. I taught on some, something similar to this on Sunday morning and part of Sunday night. So we wanted to have a healing service. So uh, their church is about as wide as these three sections right here. And not quite, maybe just two and a half of these. And so we had a prayer line, filled the front, double, triple people, visitors that never come before because they had their friends in the church invite them for healing, whatever. And so there's some ladies over here I prayed for first, and I said, now, you stay here. I'm going to pray for the rest of these, but you stay here, and I have something from the Lord for you. And I, I had a few words of knowledge for a couple of ladies. And then I got to this third one. Her name was Norma, which is my mom's name, so it's easy to remember. And we got this on video. By the Spirit of God, I just shared with her, you've been, the enemy's tried to isolate you, separate you for the purpose of devouring you like a lion does its prey to separate from the rest of the herd. You know, that's what he does to all of us, so that's a general statement. And I told everybody, now every, every one of us can take this. But I said, but you in particular, Norma, you've overcome that to date. But now that you've heard this teaching, you can stand up again. And as soon as I got to that point, a demon manifested in her. I had, a, had her by the hand with both of my hands up front. And this is a pretty Hispanic lady. And she got ugly really fast. Hair stood up on my arms. And the people around me later, I asked, did, did y'all sense that? Oh, yeah. I got goosebumps. It's the same goosebumps you get when that spooky movie comes. Even the commercial. Why? Because it's a demon. And this is spooky movie season. We're coming up into October. Hell's night. You know what they call it in Detroit? Devil's night. That's what happens in Detroit. Much of Detroit's burned out because of that. It's, they're getting some smarter people in and getting rid of that junk, but they burned down a lot of these cities on October 31st. And so he manifested in her with this ugly, male, nasty voice, and I won't get into detail because there are children in but she pulled her hands back and she snarled and just contorted her face at me. And the ushers were even like, whoa, we're not used to this kind of catching. And I'm standing up here on a step, ministering to her. And as soon as she pulled back her arm and her hand like that and growled and snarled and said stuff to me, can't hear it all on video, but they all heard it. I heard it. And I won't repeat what it was. But it was, bottom line is, you cannot have her. She's mine. She doesn't want me out. And so I said, let's all have a Bible study and let's pray in the Spirit because we're really afraid. The reason I made fun of that is because I've seen pastors do that. When a demon manifests. 
Bible says when we pray in tongues, we're praying to God. We're not praying to devils. Don't speak in tongues to the devil. You can pray in tongues, but not in fear, not a scared tongues. People do it because they're afraid because they don't know who they are. I just calmly pointed at her. And she continued to back up in this aisle. Didn't touch her. She backed up. And I said, devil, you can't have her. You shut up. And then I said, Norma, Norma. You got to right here. Norma, I'm talking to you. You want to be free? Yes, yes. Then I went to lay hands on her. And I didn't even get to her. And the Holy Ghost and the power of God threw her back on the floor. I did end up laying hands on her, but before I did, it just threw her back in the floor. Here's the problem with the church. The Great Commission is found in Mark 16, it's found in Matthew, it's found in a couple other places. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel, these signs to follow them that believe is... Verse six, uh, 17, the first sign is you shall cast out devils. Right. Speak with new tongues, talking about tongues of the Holy Ghost. And that's exactly what the denominational church speaks against. If there are no longer any demons and tongues have been done away with. Well, if you're going to do that, and then the next one, lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Right. Actually, that's after, after the eat or drink any deadly things shall not hurt you. Lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Oh, well, that's been done away with. Too. We just don't lay hands. We don't have any prayer lines. We don't have any healing lines because that's been done away with. No, it hasn't. If that's been done away with, so is preaching the gospel. This is easy math, folks. Did I help anybody with that? Yes. So, we see this. He says, we've been glorified. See, the enemy, the enemy is darkness. I've been in cities I've never been in before, places I've never been in before, and had people hit the hood of my rental car and curse me and speak in some language that was not human because they saw the light on me. It's happened to some of you too. You've had complete strangers cuss you out and you don't even know them. Why? Because they've yielded to darkness and you have light. You are glorified. You have the power of light on you. You don't fear that. He goes on and says, he justified, he also glorified, raising them to heavenly dignity in a condition and state of state of being. That's not talking about going to heaven. That's He made us that here on this, on this planet right now. And he goes on and says, what then shall we say to all this? If God is for us, who can be against us? Who can be our foe if God is on our side? Nobody. That's what it's inferring. Nobody. No thing. Amen? Did it help anybody today? Now let me just read you in closing in this, this very expensive uh, Office Depot stationery. This is what he said. He said, your creator has a race for you to run. Not one you choose, but one you enter. See, there's the problem. We're looking around at multiple choice. We're trying to choose a race to run. No, 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 no. He's already put you in the race you're supposed to be running in. You've got to enter into it. Stop resisting the race he put you in. Stop resisting what he called you to do and told you to do. Get in that race. He went on and said... He chooses a race. We choose to obey. Well, that's just not my cup of tea, Pastor. Mm. Faith is just not for me. I tried it. 
What part of what part of these verses did we read that said try? He went on to say this. As believers, our core identity is no longer rooted in earthly identities. No longer rooted in the culture. No longer rooted in our own families. No longer rooted in our ethnicities and races. No longer rooted in our gender. Which one are you of the 52 today? Which one did you choose? Uh-huh. Doesn't bring anything but confusion and every evil work. No longer rooted in the language. I'm not talking about dialects. I'm not talking about French or English or Spanish. I'm talking about how people talk. Your identity is no longer in that. No longer in your socioeconomic status. It's no longer in any worldly belief systems. But it's now found in a unique ethnos. A new group of people. That's what an ethnos is. The church. The Jesus culture. With scriptural beliefs. Based upon the word, not based upon ideologies, not based upon psychology or opinions or experiences. It's based in this book. It's based in the language of faith. The attitude of love. It's a different ethnos. He has something new for you. If you don't know who you are in Christ and you're not walking and who he's made you to be. I want to pray for you. Don't, don't misunderstand my passion for anger. Any anger I have, any animosity I have is at the devil, the tricks that he's, that he's perpetrated upon the body of Christ. But God has something greater for you. He has an identity for you that's victorious. He has an identity for you that will put you over the top, that will transform you, not just change you, transform you in a moment's notice. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you want more, subscribe to our message podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Rating and leaving a comment will go a long way with helping our messages get better circulation. If you'd enjoy watching our weekend messages, visit youtube.com forward slash anchor faith. We'd love it if you'd subscribe, leave a comment or a like on the messages. If you'd like to find out more information about us and how we're influencing the world and help support the work we're doing by giving, just visit anchorfaith.com.